Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Trevor. And together, we're We're Occasionally Interesting, interesting. the podcast where a couple travels the world interviewing the most interesting people they meet along the way. Sometimes it will be sweet, often entertaining, rarely conservative, frequently informative, occasionally occasionally interesting. interesting. for me it's all unrealistic everything okay <laughs> I like that I don't know anything <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel I feel like, you know like everything I think is the answer to that question most of our guests say if I believe it then it's realistic and I'm like really I absolutely feel the opposite I'm always amazed at the crazy shit I'm coming up with um, what is your least favorite part about being a parent It's too easy for us to project ourselves into our children okay? and then create a kind of expectation which even if we didn't do it consciously, which we do it semi-consciously anyway, we leave residues of who we want them to be. Okay? And, um, and though they pick those up. You know, no matter what. And that has to do not with what we say, but who we are. Um, And so when I get caught and I'm finding myself projecting something onto my children, um, that's the most difficult part. Because that projection actually gets in the way of the love. It basically says to them, I'll love you, provided that you would. It, is, it puts a condition on it. And what, we're really, what I'm trying to do as a parent is be as unconditional in my love, but still provide some kind of guidance. And that's a really, really tricky path. Yeah. Yeah, sounds, sounds very intimidating. Um, what's your most favorite part about being a parent? Oh, just the delight of having people that are in your lives that you can't get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. That's very funny. <laughs> what is the book that has most influenced your life? Or a couple of books? Oh, take a look at my bookcases. This is a minute-by-minute minute <laughs> thing, right? I just, um, you know, I'm just reading... Uh, Paulo, what is his, you know, the one that did the alchemist. And so I have the book Hippie just oh, kind of to uh, take a look at. And that's been, that's a nice influence right now, as well as mm-hmm. blitz scaling okay, for startups. And I mean, I have, I have four books, five books that I'm working on okay. right now. I'm a reader. Okay. And, uh, and I like to go back to them. I, you know, and so there's, and I'll, there are three or four books, five books that I'll read every year. And what are those? Um, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance would be one of them. Um, 
Men's Search for Himself would be one. Some of the Scott Peck books, I'll pick up something from him every once in a while. It'll just kind of be a, a flow. There are certain teachers. Krishnamurti is good to just go back and you can kind of take any of his books and read them. They're all kind of the same. Okay. <laughs> so they're, they're real fun. And, and um, oh, I, I just think I have been so moved. Psychology books. Mistakes were made, but not by me, is, is cognitive dissonance, which we caught, talked about earlier, that I love giving it to my clients, because you, if somebody reads this book, you see cognitive dissonance everywhere, okay? You can't, you yeah. can't not, whoa, and you, and, and it's a really, really good one to help people redefine, all right, how much um, they self-deceive. Right, it's it, it is amazing. All of your memories have nothing to do with truth. Okay, <laughs> they all have to do with what you, you know, decided that you're going to remember. And you know, and we, <clears throat> and, and so memory is not a really good thing to be able to. We've already rejiggered that one. I mean, you know, it, it's, um, and you begin to watch it. Watch it in yourself. Your ability to self-justify, huge. That's a great book. I, you know, I could go on and on and on. I, I can, I've got a book list in there that I'll give you and you can send okay, me any of, any of these 50 books. All right. We'll read all 50 and catch up with you in, in May. Go over them. Um, let's see. What life practices do you do to keep yourself sane uh, and balanced? One book oh, okay. that was interesting, all right, that I really like. And this is another one I read every year. Um, the Jeffersonian Bible. What? What's the, what's the, what? <laughs> Thomas Jefferson wrote a Bible. Oh, okay. Okay, it's called the Jefferson Wasn't Bible. Jefferson... President. And No, agnostic or... Wouldn't he, didn't he... What he or, did was he... He had some... He, he advocated for separation of church and state, right? And translated only the words of Christ, uh-huh. right? And did it in Hebrew, and then in, wow. um, and then in Latin, and then in English, so that you could actually see how he did the translations, right? And it's a book that changed my perception of Christianity entirely. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to guess that the actual words of Christ are a lot nicer than the rest of the Bible. Yeah, I mean, you're not doing any of the Old Testament stuff, but things like uh, John 1. First, there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The way Jefferson, or I, um, translated that was first there was the law, and the law was with God, and the law was God. So you have just reconciled Buddhism and Christianity because God becomes the law of nature, right? Boom. One word. <laughs> That's very interesting. I'll check that out. I do. I, I'm probably the only person in Chiang Mai that has four copies of the Koran, none of which are, are in Arabic, but each of which has a different tone to them. And I oh, was... Wow. I did a big Korean thing for a while. I've got all of the Theosophical Society and the Gurdjieff books in there and the Hindu books and the Buddhist books and the Tibetans and the, you know, and, and uh, I've had a very, very rich life uh, in terms of reading and books.
Yeah, I'd love to see the actual library. <laughs> uh, it's all over. Oh, okay. Right? Is that you have so, a, a room or a pagoda that you call the library? We have the place where I do my client work, which is down under the Buddha that's outside. Mm-hmm. Right? That has the psychology books and the business books. Gotcha. Right? The heavy-duty spiritual ones in the Theosophical Society are in this room and this room with those two. There's another set of those that are kind of miscellaneous, like, you know, kind of the Harry Potter books and you know, <laughs> Tolkien and, you know, I mean, the great, the great things that, that I've really kind of been moved by. The, 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 the Tao of Pooh, okay? Nice. <laughs> all right, those are, those are all just kind of interesting books down in the gym. There's a whole bookcase that's yoga and health and meditation and all, you know, all of the... All of the um, the books on herbs and all of that, and so um, the library exists in all of these different places. Oh, and then there's a book, uh, a whole bookshelf of junk fiction okay? <laughs> that, that, that I encourage people to steal. <laughs> junk fiction. It's a good category. Um, what is your favorite thing about yourself? I laugh a lot. All right. I enjoy. I, I, I actually the favorite thing is I love my work. Really, I, I there. I can't tell you how much energy I get and how um, how privileged I feel to be able to do the work that I do. It is such an honor. I get to connect with incredible people. And I get to be a part of the transformation of their lives. And that is, um, that is so awesome. That is so awesome. What is the most annoying thing about people? Ignorance. And that even that's not ignorable. When I see ignorance, then I tease. Okay. And so I like ignorance. <laughs> How can you possibly be that stupid? <laughs> it's a good conversation starter. But without that being a judgment, do you understand that if I'm doing that in a way that I really care about, then what you're going to do is you're going to just take a step back, be a little bit self-reflective, and you're going to look at that again and say, well... <laughs> Uh, what life practices do you do to keep yourself sane and balanced? Yeah, I'm in here, and I talk to my wife in the Kuan Yin Temple, and I sing in the Ganesh Temple, and um, I pretend that I'm giving Dharma talks in the Buddha Sala because <laughs> I don't have anybody. I, oh. I haven't opened up yet to do something like that because I've been busy, but I think probably that will come here eventually. I periodically will do that, but... For the last few years, I haven't. Welcome, um, listen to your talks anytime. And uh, yeah, and so it's just—I mean, I mean, you know, my spiritual practice all around me. I've got there's life here. There's plants. There's animals. We take, you know, we you're nurturing that all the time. You've got staff people that you know you dearly appreciate for keeping all this together, so that I don't really have to do anything. It's like real. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
why do people do small talk? Because they don't know how to connect with each other at a heart level. And I'm assuming that what you're saying is, is that there's a way of being able to talk together that has a certain authenticity to it. And that means that there's a connection. And so I think people that do small talk are trying to find a way into connection. And the only way that they feel safe until they have that kind of connection is to interact with small talk. Do you have any cheat sheet uh, sentences or questions to get to that connection authenticity place faster? Um, I'm usually quite provocative. <laughs> right. right. So it's, yeah, it's In stating observations or yeah, no, stating observations, right? Without being attached to them, it's just like, woo. You know, you got up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. What I'm feeling is this energy. And usually that provokes a conversation, right? Or you have the most radiant smile because that's what I'm picking up is this incredibly radiant smile. And I'm going, wow, where did that come from? And that creates that connection. Immediately we're out of small talk because we're actually interacting at a feeling level. And so what I do is I share my feelings with people. Now, um, sometimes that's not very appropriate for environments that you're in. And I'm often at a party sitting in a corner with someone who is crying. (laughs) I feel it. Yeah, I've certainly found myself in that situation. <laughs> Better than small talking eight different people in a row, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, and I'll usually hang back and observe. And then you have lots of things that begin to kind of move you beyond small talk. But most people don't pay any attention to each other. Yeah. Why? Why? Because we're all caught in self-consciousness, and so the most important being in the room is me, right? And as long as that's where I'm coming from, it's it's all about me. Do you think that's what, like, social anxiety is a manifestation of, of that or an extension of that? Social anxiety, I think, is more an extension of not being accepted. Feeling, and by the way, that's an internal feeling. It's not necessarily driven by the external, Mm -hmm. but it probably was at one point in your conditioning, because again, remember, you've conditioned your personality to that, right? So that now I have social anxiety because somewhere along the way, somebody programmed in you're not enough, right? You're not good. You're not, you know, however that happened. And by the way, that might have been unintentional, but we're still working through that experience that may have happened even before you had cognition, that somehow you felt like now your brother or sister could go through the same environment and have a different reaction to that because partially genetic predisposition and partially the individual experiences that we had and how sensitive you were to those experiences. No. (laughs) That's in all of them. (laughs) Okay. 
any do you have any oh. actually I had one I guess I had one question. Do people respond differently to the different sound bowls? Like do people prefer a different Oh the bowls play differently every day. Oh, cool. Really? So you so like tomorrow know. if I hit this one it'll sound different? Yeah, we can go through and what I'll normally do is I'll go through and a lot of times I'll play all the bowls or give them bowls to play and we'll kinda of do this. We'll just kind of begin to practice, right? Um moving energies or the tibetans did you know when when you do overtone chanting you're moving you're moving energies all right and you're doing it with sound and Mm -hmm. so you play around with the bowls and then pretty soon you know you can do a chant and they can begin to feel those energies begin to shift um and they get absorbed in the overtone chanting and so that creates a thing, and then the bowls are different every day. I don't know whether it's humidity or the way you hit them or the, the way they feel, but they, they vary, okay? Interesting. And, you know, I have some that are more apt to be my favorites. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. Do you have any... Uh, comments or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with the audience before we go? Advice? Practices? A song? Sure. Okay. So we'll do we'll do that little bit of overtone chanting, right? Alright. Okay. So sit and again what you want to do is you want to pay attention, right? Put your consciousness on the overtones. Okay? So an overtone is there's two tones going on there and you'll actually be able to if you can create a concentration sometimes there's always three um, sometimes if I'm in practice I can sing four and I have sung five before but that's hard to get to and I'm a little bit out of practice and we should be doing this down in the Ganesh temple where we've got the reverberating ceiling but it'll work here (laughs) now it might take me a little bit because I'm also going to concentrate on a dual energy here right so normally I would just do you and then we would pick up the vibrational tone that was yours right we're going to try to do this. I'm going to pick up a vibrational, you know, tone that belongs to the we, okay? And it may take me a couple of times to hit till I get the vibration that feels right, okay? Oh. Mm-hmm.
Sohan. Sohan. Ha 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 Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, what birthday of yours was this? Was it your 29th birthday? We went We went to a cave, a Rosicrucian cave, like the oldest doomsday cult in America, built this cave in the 1600s in Philadelphia in the middle of Fairmount Park, which is the largest inner city park. And uh, yeah, they have this cave. We went there at midnight, or like four midnight, on I think his turning 29th birthday with our friend who does throat singing and other stuff that he learned he learned throat singing from DMT <laughs> um yeah we were just in this cave that already had all of these unbelievable vibrations just like you step through the cave sober and you like get high like I mean it is just a completely different state of consciousness and then he started doing the throat singing and we were just like absolutely in a completely different again, world you get lost yeah yeah, yeah. And that was very yeah, we have the little Ganesh temple downstairs that also has the resonant in the dome. That was pretty resonant. That was impressive. All right. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Bye. Bye.